0: Probably seen this image of the three crosses. Um, seen it in a painting, maybe you've seen it in a picture somewhere, maybe even an Easter greeting card. And um, it's very simple what this stands for. The center cross is for Jesus, who, who gave his life to purchase uh, guilty sinners to pay for their sin so that they might not have to pay for their sin themselves. And then the two crosses, one on the left and one on the right, those were for criminals. Who were crucified at the same time that Jesus was. And um, we don't know a lot about these criminals. We don't know how old they were. We don't know where they were from. We don't even know what they did to deserve death. But we do know that both of these criminals, while they're dying, had interactions with Jesus. And at first, both, both of them insulted him. It was kind of the the thing. Everybody walking by was hurling insults at Jesus and the two cross, the two thieves on the cross were hurling insults at Jesus. But somewhere along the line, one of them changed and the, uh, the changed one, um, had a very short, very simple conversation with Jesus that changed his destiny and it just might change yours today. We are finishing our series on uh, Red Letter Day, which are the words that Jesus spoke on the cross. And today we're going to look at Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 32. It says, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him, with Jesus. When they came to a place called the skull, and you may have heard that called Golgotha, Golgotha translated means the skull, they nailed him to the cross and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us, too, while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today that you will be with me in paradise. Jesus looked at this criminal who only deserved death. And then he made the most remarkable grace filled statement in history when he said today. You, an undeserving person will be with me in paradise. These words give us an indication of what it takes to get to paradise. And, uh, and I just got to ask you a couple of questions. Did the thief who was hanging on the cross, could he do anything to make himself better, to make himself acceptable to Jesus other than hang there and bleed and die? No, he could do nothing. All he could do was recognize that Jesus was sinless and that he himself, the criminal, was sin stained. And then all he could do was make a simple request of Jesus. Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said. Said Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now, if this is a true picture of how someone gets into heaven solely based on the grace of Jesus responding to a very simple request, if that's how you get to heaven, then my question is, how did we get religion? Where did religion come from? Because Christianity is based on relationship with Jesus based on what Jesus did. Religion is I've got to do a certain set of things in order to be approved by God, and I don't do a certain set of things in order to be approved by God. And maybe I'll be good enough if I do the do's and I don't do the don'ts. Maybe I'll be good enough and God will let me into heaven. Maybe I'll get to go to heaven. But Christianity says if you're not related to God through Jesus Christ, then you're booted out of heaven. So it's all about relationship, not religion, so I just have a question, who is telling the truth, Jesus or religion? And, and if Jesus is telling the truth, which one of the thieves on the cross, the, the criminals on the cross, which one of them got to heaven? The one who humbled himself and asked Christ to save him. Now I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna ask a question today, and this is gonna be very much crowd participation day. So if you got a thing against that, just head out right now. Because and all I, all you have to do is raise your hand, and occasionally you've got to share two or three words with the person next to you. They won't bite. We have Lysol. If you think you know they're spreading things, we will squirt them. We will let you do that. But we need you to participate in order for this to be fully effective today. So here's here's my question to you today: on a scale of one to one hundred. With one being the absolute lowest of the low, worst in society, and 100 being absolutely perfect. What is your score on how good you are? How good are you? And so, well, let me give you perspective. And, and just in case some of you think this is the, this is true, you are not a 100. You may think you are, you can defend yourself, but you're not a 100 because let me give you perspective. Let's say that one, two, three and four, the lowest of the low, that's an axe murderer, that's Hitler, that's Saddam Hussein, that's Osama bin Laden, that's people who have five or more cats. Those are the lowest of the low in society. And there's no hope for you. At the other end, at the other, I had to say five because we have four. It was not my choice. Caleb asked me the other day, did you ever think we'd have four cats? I said, no, I didn't want one. And they all follow me around. I'm the least cat loving person in our family. And they they're like dogs. I'll be working on a mower and they crawl around next to me and rub up next to me. Sorry, animals. No, actually, I like them now. They've won me over. Okay, so at the lowest end, axe murderer, horrible people. At the top end is Jesus, absolutely perfect, never a sin in his life. And so I need to know where do you rank? In the high 90s might be Mother Teresa or, or Billy Graham, but I need to know how high do you rank? So you, I'm, this is crowd participation. I want you to turn to somebody next to you, and I want them just whatever number pops into your head about how good you are, share with your neighbor your number. Ready, set, go. Go ahead and hit that. <coughs> Can you put, I don't have anything on my screen.
1: All
0: right. Now, uh, Jeff, could you bring up the house lights? Because I need to see this. I got to see this. Now, um, some of you are trying to defend your number. I really am that good. You just don't know me. And they're like, no, I know you. All right. Now, be totally gut level honest here. Totally gut level honest. How many of you are in the one to 30 range? Let me see your hands. Raise them up for just a minute. One to 30. OK, now I need some volunteers who will come and remove these people from church because they're too bad to be in church. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. We're so glad you're here. You low life, bad people. Um, now, how many of you were in the 30 to 50 range? Leave up, leave up, leave up. Now, if you're in the 30 to 50 range, don't leave them up. I'm not finished. If you're in the 30 to 50 range, you're still in the lower half. But, but you're the half that makes the other half possible, so doesn't that feel good? How many of you are in the uh, 50 to 80 range? Let me see your hands. 50 to eight. It, wait, wait, keep those up. Keep those up. Because if somebody around you is in the 50 to 80 range, just reach up and pat them on the back and say, you are so good. Go ahead. Do it. Somebody pat Chad right there, Ricky. Now. okay, All right. There's got to be some. How many of you are in the, the 80 to 100? Let me see your hands. Come on. You know what's coming, don't you? You make everybody sick anyway with how good you think you are. But we need you. We need you 80 to 100 people. Um, (laughs) Cream of the crop. Now, people for centuries have been comparing themselves to other people. There's some danger when you do that. There's one of two things are going to happen when you compare yourself to other people. First, on your listening guide, you often feel better about yourself when you compare yourself to someone else. If you're a 50 and you're sitting next to a 12, you're thinking, dude, I'm awesome. (laughs) <laughs> but what happens when you come in next week and you're sitting next to a 92 and you start going, "Ah, oh, I'm not so good compared to them. So you feel worse about yourself if you compare yourself to others. See, some of you are like going, oh, I feel better because I don't cuss and and I'm not a bad person. I tend to try to help people. I give a little money every now and then. I go to church every now and then. I'm generally a good person. I never killed anybody. I don't cheat on my taxes as much as other people do. I'm really pretty good. And so you pat yourself on the back and you're feeling, I'm pretty good. But there's always someone out there better than you. People good and great in every way. And when you compare yourself to them, you realize you suck spiritually and you're just going, man, I don't measure up to that person. You feel inadequate. How many of your moms and we're celebrating moms that we got a great service for you? Come back. We, we give out um, what do we give out? Bass and Body Works gift cards, you know, because we we value moms and we want you to smell nice all the time. Um, so we give you those things and we got a great service next week. But you moms, how many of you know an annoyingly? perfect mom, somebody that her hair's perfect. Her kids are perfect. Her house is perfect. And, and you know, you're supposed to, to like love them and you do, but secretly you really hate their guts because they are, they make you feel bad about yourself, right? We're just being honest today. Now, some of you guys, have you ever met the guy that whatever he does financially works? I mean, you're struggling to do it right. You're struggling to get ahead. And this dude comes up with a new boat, a new jet ski, a new motorcycle. I don't have one yet because I'm not that guy. And and secretly or not so secretly, you don't like that dude because you don't measure up to him, Right. Or maybe, maybe it's this Christian thing and some of you are really trying to live the Christian life and you just stink at it. No matter what you do, you keep falling down and, and life is just hitting you hard and, and you're really struggling. And then you have this friend who's like mega Christian that they quote a verse for everything. Well, Second Chronicles twelve two says, says you're going, what? What's a chronicle? You don't even know that there's that book in the Bible. And they just and then when they pray, their prayers are so eloquent. And, and they're so powerful that you're like going, dude, if I were God, I'd be going, yes, yes, yes. And is there anything else I can do for you? Their prayers are so good. And, and you're the type, like when you pray, your prayers aren't like that. Your prayers are kind of sorry. And, and, and you're like an ADD prayer. And you're like, oh, dear God, heaven, uh, Father in heaven, there's a bird. <laughs> and then you're like, what was I just doing? And you compare yourself to mega Christian and you're thinking, Why do I even try? Because because I stink at this whole thing. So we're uh, we're we're looking at this idea of what's your number. And we decided to go up to TJC a couple weeks ago and just walk around campus. And after the campus police stopped accosting us, we got a video. 100, one being the worst person who ever lived, 100 being perfect, how would you grade yourself? Um, a, a 10. A yes. 10? Okay, so that's below average, right? You wouldn't want a 10 on your college, on one no. of on your classes. No. So, okay, without being specific, can you tell me some things that might lower a person's score? Um...
1: Really not showing up for class because you need to be in there all all the time. But you've never done that, right? No. Never never Never. skip class, okay? No. I would say (laughs) at least like one time. (laughs) All right. What are some other things that
0: lower your score? Um,
1: Not studying for for class and being prepared. All right. Stuff like
0: that. All right. So you're going to stick with a 10. Even after thinking about it, you're going to...
1: No. I would upgrade myself. I would say by like maybe 50.
0: 50. 50. You 50. just went up 40 points in the last 30 seconds. <laughs> so, how how did you go up so much? In, in
1: because I thought about what I just said and I do all the things, so I'll grade myself better.
0: All right, so you're not that bad. You're about I'm average. Not
1: that bad. I'm about average. All right,
0: thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm digging, you got the whole Lakers thing going on. <laughs> Even the eyeshadow that matches. Look at you. Yeah. You big fan? All right. That wasn't the question. The question is on a scale of 1 to 100, 1 being the worst person who ever lived, 100 being perfect, where would you grade yourself? Mm. 70? 70. Okay. So that's better than average. Mm-hmm. Is that a score that you'd like to get here at college, Is 70?
1: No, I'd like to get a little bit above that. Okay. okay.
0: <laughs> Without being specific, what are some things that people could do that would lower their score?
1: Hmm being dishonest just not being a loyal friend and just being a pretty crappy person
0: alright thank you You're appreciate welcome. that <laughs> what are some things that would lower your score
1: oh nothing cause I'm just like everybody else I'm you know I get in trouble and I live good lives and I, I I'm just human so but it's fifty a fifty. 50 so
0: you're just kind of yeah, right in the middle i'm right in the middle all right but you're a little above average so what would make you a little above average the good grades it's a good grades so
1: i try to help as many people as i can i like helping others my okay. major is nursing i have yeah. a passion
0: for helping others all right on a scale of one to 100 with one being the worst person who ever lived 100 being perfect where would you grade yourself
1: like am i perfect
0: no no just on a scale on that a number scale what number would you give yourself one to one hundred.
1: say okay, up in the nineties.
0: Ninety, sweet, and, and that's even with you wearing the Texas A&M shirt. Yeah. Going to TJC. Okay, okay. Are you, you going to go to A&M? I'm not. I'm
1: actually going to UT Arlington.
0: Dude, how many different <laughs> colleges can you support?
1: Um, I don't know. Oh my god. Okay.
0: Cool. <laughs> so in the nineties, can you give me a specific ninety? Like ninety-six. Ninety-six. That's awesome. So like, if 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 100's perfect, you're a ninety-six. Now, tell me some things that might cause somebody's score to go down without being specific.
1: You're talking like just life wise?
0: Yeah. What would cause your score to go down?
1: Um, well, if I'm not doing good in school, if I'm okay. not going to school.
0: But you're uh, doing those things. You're going to school, you're doing well in school. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, I don't have any like, friends or supportive family members, whatever. That's probably going to lower your score. It'll
0: lower your score, okay. Anything else you can um, think of? I mean, if you don't have God, that's a lower score.
1: Cool. Um,
0: all right. Appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, man, can I ask you a quick question? On a scale of one to 100, 1 being the worst person who ever lived, one hundred being perfect, where would you score yourself? Um, I'll score myself maybe around uh, eighty-five. Eighty-five. Nice. Yeah. Is that a score that you would like to have here here at, at college? An eighty-five? Uh. Yeah, but uh,
1: I'll be happy with a B. If I get right. straight
0: Bs and have a 3.0, I'll be pretty excited. I mean, I have a 3.5 right now, but if I drop down to a, to a B, I'll be okay. That's still all right. All right. <laughs> so tell me, without being specific, what are some things that could lower your score? Um, I guess maybe if I started drinking, if I uh, started doing drugs, if I started
1: uh, being lazier um, than I already am. Um, <laughs> I'm already late. Um, but... um. And also I guess just uh, I guess being a little bit more rude or taking advantage of people more. Um, I feel like I'm I'm a nice person. I you know, I try to care for people so um, So that's why
0: you got an eighty five. That's
1: I think that's why I got an eighty five. I am you know, I love life, I love people, so uh, you know, I
0: try to try to stay on that road. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for your help. Where would you grade yourself? A one hundred. A one hundred? You are perfect in every way. Yeah. Okay. Now, for the rest of the people around here, there might be some things that that they did that would lower their score. What are some things that would lower a person's score? Uh, murder. Murder. That that would be one. Bad. Yeah. Anything else you can think of? Um, littering. <laughs> littering. Ugh. Murder and littering. Those yeah. are kind of on the opposite ends of the uh, sin scale, yeah, right? Yeah. Like to fluctuate. All right. But for you, you're perfect in every way. Uh huh. Sweet. Good to meet you. I was actually very impressed with the police response at TJC when uh, it was like, swarm, and they did. We didn't get arrested, but uh, we did get accosted. Um, now, we were, we were having a good time asking people where you, where you score because that's a big deal is to compare yourselves to others. Now, the verses that we're looking at today, we are looking at two people who were not good people. They wouldn't score themselves very highly and society would have scored them um, very badly. Now, these were the guys that were crucified next to Jesus and the Bible calls them what? In the verses we read, they were criminals. Thank you. I'm just making sure you're awake. These were not good people. And not only were they not good people in that society to be crucified was reserved for the lowest of the low. Now, when Jesus lived, crucifixion was just one of many different types of execution. But it was the most expensive type of execution. So it was reserved for two things. They wanted to do two things with uh, with a Roman crucifixion. One was to publicly humiliate someone for the crime that they committed Two was um, Uh, The second thing was to to bring excruciating pain. In fact, the word excruciating that we use actually comes from crucifixion. Ex-crucifix means of the cross. So when we talk about the worst possible pain and we call it excruciating, we're going back to the cross and we're talking about that type of pain. Excruciating, And it was very expensive because it would require at least four Roman soldiers and one centurion. And they would have to be on guard 24 hours a day. And sometimes it would take many days for the person to die. They would die from from suffocation. But the animals would come, the birds would come and they would peck at their flesh. They would uh, this could drag on forever for days. And so it was very expensive. So they they reserved it for the lowest of the low. And so for Jesus to be crucified, they were saying they were saying that, that number one, you call yourself the king of the king. The Jews, we call you a peasant. Only peasants. See, a Roman Roman citizen, it would be very, very unlikely that a Roman citizen would ever be crucified. Um, They would have to be worse than slaves, worse than than the Jews or or non-Romans. They would have to be these people that they would they wanted to to say to everyone, don't ever commit the crime that this person committed. But they would also say, don't be this type person. That's why it was done in public. That's why they tried to keep it going as long as they could. They wanted people to know you don't want to be one of these people. You do not Cross. The Roman government or this or you'll be put on a Roman cross. So it's in that scene that one of the bad guys gets it and the other bad guy doesn't. One of them becomes tender hearted and humble. The other becomes proud and arrogant and hard hearted. Sounds very similar to people I meet on a regular basis. Sounds like a lot of people who come to new life. Some people come and they are broken by their sin and they cry out to a savior and other people. They come. And they leave here proud of their sins. And they say, went to church, check, where are we going to lunch? And they have no desire to change. Um, and so, if you're going to think about your eternal destiny, the only ones that ever get into paradise are the ones who become tender-hearted and ask for it. Got another video for you. And this one kind of shows the, the major difference between Christianity and other Religious belief systems It's called the pit
1: A man fell in a hole He fell in a hole And he couldn't get out A traveler passed by. He told the man to meditate, to purify his mind, and when he reached nirvana, all suffering would cease. The man did as he was told, but he remained in the hole. Another man appeared. He explained that the hole didn't exist, and neither, in fact, did the man. It was all an illusion. The man who did not exist was still stuck in the hole that was not there. Another visitor arrived. He instructed the man to perform good deeds to improve his karma, and though he would still die in the hole, he might be reincarnated as something magnificent. Another man looked down from above. He taught the man to pray five times a day facing east and to follow five important tenets he was faithful, one day, perhaps, the divine would set him free. The man prayed as best he could, but he was losing strength. And in the whole different about him He called down to the man in the hole and asked him if he wanted to be free So was saved.
0: One of the most common myths in the world today is that um, good people go to heaven. We're not sure how good, maybe a 50 and above. We're not real sure where the tipping point is, what gets you into heaven But most people believe in in our world, especially in our country, they believe that I'm not as bad as someone else. And if I try really, really hard to be good, and if I'm more good than bad, and I'm not sure who keeps score on that, that maybe I'll get into heaven because good people go to heaven. But this story that we read, when Jesus is talking to the forgiven criminal, this story is a very clear indication that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. You see, um, that's actually really good news for us. There's a huge difference in those two. Good people don't go to heaven because in reality, the Bible says none of us are good enough. The Bible says that that God's standard is perfection. And since none of us are perfect, no good people go to heaven. But the good news of the story is forgiven people do go to heaven. So I want us to take a couple of lessons from the forgiven criminal today. So that you can apply this directly to your life and and maybe you can have an opportunity this week to share this with someone else. First thing that I want you to realize is the forgiven criminal, the reason he gets to go to paradise is because he admits wrong. He quits trying to look good to others and he just admits I'm a sinner. In verse 41 he says, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. We deserve death. And see, the huge problem that I face on a regular basis when I talk to people about Christ and about life after death is that most people don't want to admit they've done anything wrong. We're such a nation of whiners and complainers that we want to say, well, I'm not so bad compared to you fill in the blank. I'm not so bad compared to them. I don't do the things they do. So surely God is going to let me into heaven. It's so easy for us to find someone worse than us to rank ourselves against. But the comparison is against the one in the middle, the middle cross. And, and when you compare yourself to him, you deserve hell. And so do I. Many of you are hoping that you're good enough. My, my task today is to actually prove to you you're not. You can't be good enough. So let me ask you some questions. Turn up those lights again, Jeff. How many of you have ever told a lie? Keep your hands up. Find the people whose hands are not up and just say, liar. You're lying right now. All right, put them down. If you've ever told a lie, you are a what? Liar. Good. You're, you're doing well. Have you ever stolen anything? I've, I've done that in my past. If you're not a tither, you steal every week. So lift up the other hand. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're like, low, blow. Sorry, sucker. Knew he'd get the money in there. That, the Bible says that, I'm just repeating, but that's not even where I'm going, so let's just... How many of you have ever stolen something? All right. If you've ever stolen something, you are called a... starts with a T-H, you are called a what? Thief. thank you. Uh, how many of you have ever... Oh, I did that one. Here's a personal one. Do not raise your hands. Do not raise your hands on this one. I don't want to see hands, but you've got to have some way to communicate with me. So if this is you, then you just kind of raise your eyebrows. All right? Just raise eyebrows, because this is a personal one. How many of you have ever thought a lustful thought? Don't raise your hand. Some of y'all must have spastic eyebrows. Dude, <laughs> we don't have to be that real today. Um, now, according to Jesus in the New Testament, if you've ever looked lustfully at someone else that's not your spouse, or you've thought lustfully... Somebody somebody he he says, if you ever look at a woman lustfully, you've done what? You've committed adultery. Ow. We don't want to admit that one. But if you've looked at someone lustfully or you thought lustfully, you are an adulterer, according to Jesus Himself. How many of you have ever put something ahead of God? According to the Bible, when you put something ahead of God, you are an idolater. So if you've done all these things and most people have, you're a lying, thieving, adulterous idolater. Welcome to Sunday morning worship at New Life, where we always try to make you feel good about yourselves. We're so glad you're here. The whole point is. You're not a good person. Compared to God. I'm not a good person compared to God. James 2.10, the half-brother of Jesus says this, The person who keeps every law of God but makes one little slip in, is just as guilty as the person who has broken every law there is. So one little slip in your lifetime means you deserve hell. It doesn't matter if you're a 12, a 48, a 72, or a 99.99999. Your ticket says hell because you do not deserve heaven. So the first thing that this criminal does, the forgiven criminal, is he admits, I'm wrong, I'm a sinner. He does a second thing. He asks for eternal help. Now, this next part is really, really big, so kind of check in for just a minute if you've been checked out. Both criminals asked for help that day, but only one received it. When it comes to God, see, a lot of us are like that second criminal because when it comes to God, a lot of us aren't sure that God even exists. But if He does... We want him to make our life better. We don't want to follow him. We don't want to do what he says. But if God exists, make my life better. The, the unforgiven criminal, you know what he did? If you are the Christ, prove it. And while you're at it, save us too. And then maybe we'll follow you. And that is like so many people that I come across. I'm not sure there's a God, but if there is a God, He needs to do some really good stuff in my life. And if He proves it enough and makes my life comfortable enough, maybe I'll take a step towards Him. And maybe, if He keeps being nice to me, then I'll give my life to Him. The unforgiven criminal skipped step one where he admitted wrong. He just wanted his life better. But after admitting wrong, the forgiven one says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Both thieves were guilty. Both were suffering severely. Both were dying. Both needed a savior. Both heard and saw exactly the same thing during those six hours while Jesus was dying on the cross. One was forgiven and one wasn't. And here's the bottom line the reality is, everyone who's hearing my voice today, you're one of the two criminals. You were one of the two criminals when you walked in here, and you'll be one of the two criminals when you walk back out today. And the amazing thing to me is, just blows my mind. I've been doing this for 27 years in youth ministry and and almost nine years here at, at New Life. There's going to be people here today sitting side by side. You walked in, you're one of the two criminals. There are going to be people here today. One person is going to get it and they're going to give their heart and their life to Christ and they're going to walk out here with their destiny and their lives changed forever. And the other person sitting right next to them is going to be the other criminal who doesn't get it and walks out and their ticket still says hell. You see the same thing. You hear the same message. God brought you here and it's not an accident that you're here today. God doesn't work in accidents. God is the master at choreographing things so that He brings His truth across your life at just the right time when you need it and your heart is ready. But some of you today, some of the same people who've heard everything and it makes sense, you're going to say, no, not today. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. And you're going to leave here just the way you came in. One will be transformed. One will... Be exactly the same. You are one of the two thieves. And it doesn't matter what number you are. It doesn't matter if you're twelve, it doesn't matter if you're a seventy-eight, a ninety six. The amazing thing about what Jesus did on the cross is He makes up the difference. If you're a twelve, he's the missing eighty eight. If you're an eighty two, he's the missing eighteen. Jesus makes up the difference. And if we're going to be real technical today, technically, every one of us is a zero. And technically, Jesus is a hundred. And you become a hundred based on what Jesus did on the cross, not because you're good enough, but because he's good enough. And the only way you become a hundred is you have to admit that you're wrong and ask for eternal help. And that one little transaction moves your name from over here in the hell list to over here in the heaven because you're a part of God's family and you will be forever. It's that simple. But some of you're going to miss it. And here's what 2 Corinthians 5:17 says. This is the theme verse for our church. It's where we got our name for our church. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A what? New life has begun. Our sins are forgiven, and I don't care what you feel like. If you're a member of God's family, you're not a 72, you're not a 48, you're a 100 based on Jesus Christ. First Peter says it this way. What a God we have. I read this translation, I just kept reading it out. What a God we have. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and everything We have everything to live for because we have a great God and because you're adopted into his family, you're a 100. And it's not based on who you are or what you do. It's based on who he is and what he's already done. So you were one of the two thieves when you walked in here today. You'll be one of the two thieves when you walk out of here today. The question I have for you is which one? Would you bow your heads for a moment? Some of you, this is the most important moment of your life. I'm going to walk you through just a very simple process of how you can be adopted today, how you can be a 100 today and be the forgiven criminal who walks out of these doors. Totally changed, totally transformed. The Bible makes it real simple. says... All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so what you do, very in your mind, silently right there, if you are ready to be a part of God's family, then you just say these words silently in your mind. God, I know I'm a sinner. I am messed up. But I ask you to remember me today. And I ask you to adopt me today. And I ask you to become the boss of my life. If you just did that, you stepped into the kingdom of God. You were adopted into God's family right then when you said that, if you meant those words. And and we want to help you. We want to get you plugged in. We want to give you, I've even got some things that you can take today that would help you start reading the Bible and understanding some things about it. The next thing you need to do is, is be baptized, not for your salvation, but because of an act of obedience. We're going to do a baptism service in just a few weeks. If you want to be baptized, let me know that. But tell somebody as soon as you finish today, when, when you do your registration cards in a minute, I want you to put that on the back, that, that you are forgiven. Some of you, you've forgotten what it's like to be close to Christ. And the Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to be adopted again if you're already Christ's child. But if there's sin in your life, you've got to admit that and ask God to draw you back. And what better time than when we're focusing on the cross? Jesus loved us so much that he died to cover our sins in the past, our sins in the future. He adopts us and he loves us as his children. So if you're far from God today and your soul is just dry, I think you just need to say to God, God, show me in my mind my sins and as you show me those sins, I'll I'll admit to you that I'm wrong. And I ask you to cleanse me, God, from all unrighteousness. If you've prayed that, you've just come back to God. And on your card in just a minute, I want you to write, I've come back. Father, it's my prayer that these simple words about paradise would change people's destiny. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.